Welcome to Conversations from the Heart podcast by me, Tambu Thomas. I am an emotional wellbeing coach and founder of the Live360 brand. This is a podcast that speaks to the heart of what it is to be a human being. It's for humans who tend to live in the very tops of their heads, restricting themselves with logic and squashing who they are with who they think they're supposed to be. It's for people who are becoming more and more curious about why they feel so disconnected and frankly frightened of their bodies. Conversations from the Heart is about what's emerging from our innate embodied wisdom. The aim is to be a place of gentle connection where humans can see their humanity in the humanity of what's shared here. In a world full of strategies and systems to impress or garner a particular response, I would like this to be an oasis where we can see, hear and hold each other, human to human, heart to heart. Hello, wonderful people. I hope you're doing well. I am back on your podcast airwaves with a rebranded podcast. And before I go any further, I have to say a huge shout out, big up and thank you to my friends, Sarita and C, who very recently launched a podcast called Women Rebranded excuse me, women rebranded. And I was listening to one of their podcast episodes, can't remember which one it was. And they said something, I can't even remember what it was because I was probably too busy laughing. And it made me think, whatever it was they said, made me think, do you know what, Tamu, you have been sitting on this idea for a reformatted, rebranded podcast for the longest and you keep waiting. What are you waiting for? So Chioma, Sarita, thank you very much. You inspired me to just get started and stop waiting for this mythical, perfect time. So I'm back with a podcast, which is um, a podcast I've had on my heart for a long time. I wanted to expand from what I was doing with 360 Conversations and have conversations with you that come from my heart, have conversations with wonderful, formidable guests from different backgrounds with different expertise and experience, um, conversations that come from their hearts as well. So whereas before I would have um, questions and um, on some occasions um, I would have inputs from the guest about what they wanted to talk about. I decided that I'm doing this somatic work. I'm really, really curious about the body. I'm really softening into my heart. I'm doing work with wonderful human beings, helping them to soften into their hearts. And I thought we need to give our hearts a chance, give our hearts an opportunity to speak. We do so many things in this world. There are so many things in this world that are about strategy, about formula, about doing this to get that, things that are quite transactional, um, things that feel like a commodification of being a human being. And I decided I'd like to host dialogues and conversations where we tune in to our hearts and share what's on our hearts. So today, with my first foray back into the podcasting space, I have a solo episode um, and uh, I'm going to be talking about abandoning ourselves, like in at the deep end. I mean, what else is there other than the deep end? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a newsletter I sent on the 15th of November and then I'm going to share some thoughts and musings 
um, that flowed from and informed the newsletter. So here we go. I hope you take a moment to listen to your heart today. This morning, as I listened to mine, I reflected on how the story of my life changed when I changed the state of my life. This is informed by polyvagal theory. More about this another time, maybe later on in this conversation. As I thought about my experience, I thought about the experience of people I've coached this year and the way our work has enabled them to soften into meeting themselves and being honest about what they need to thrive. I thought about the way our conditioning can make the care we desire feel so big that we avoid it because we have not had the lessons or role modelling to show us that it is safe for us. I'm deviating from what I've written slightly. This is the thing. This is the thing we need to allow. Not get our heads round, not get to grips with, just allow. The way we're trying to live, the way we want to thrive, the way we want to be present with life, for the most part, hasn't really been role modelled before. Most of us haven't been brought up by people who have had the knowledge, experience or the upbringing that enables us to be honest with ourselves about what we need to thrive. Most of us have been brought up in a way where we are conditioned to deny our needs. We make ourselves feel needy for having needs. When I've come to learn that actually our needs are a love language, they are a bid for connection, they are a request for love, they are a request for the care we actually need to be the people we are. So we haven't had much role modelling. So we're muddling our way through, trying to use very linear productivity-based standards for something that is totally non-linear and for something that isn't about productivity. It's about humanity. It's about the way we are. Okay, back to the newsletter. In fact, we have been shown that having needs makes us needy and wanting care makes us weak. Abandoning ourselves to care for others makes us lonely and reduces our capacity to truly give and receive love. It's a pattern that's incredibly hard to identify because it's a sophisticated shapeshifter that can provide immediate gratification and at times makes us feel righteous. Let's, take, let's just take a minute right there. Abandoning ourselves to care for us for others makes us lonely and reduces our capacity to truly give and receive love. A lot of our conditioning creates environments where we believe that we need to forego what we need to provide other people with what we think they need so that we're deemed as palatable, as convenient, so that we're deemed as people that don't need too much and people that give too much. It's a real paradox. Abandoning ourselves gets immediate results because you either get the immediate feedback that you're, that you're a wonderful person or you get immediate feedback that confirms a deep-rooted mistrust of people, a deep-rooted mistrust of people seeing your worth. And that mistrust of seeing your worth is often based on you being unable to see your worth. And here's the real head fucky bit. That is based on conditioning. It's like our 
culture that is um, obsessed with, preoccupied with productivity gaslights us so much. It's like a predatory lender. It's like, I'm going to lend you this so that you can experience more freedom. You can have the things you want. But the condition is you're never going to feel satisfied. So you're going to continue to borrow from it from me so that you can feel some level of achievement, some level of being able to have things immediately um, so that when you do one thing, you get an immediate result. But you're never, ever going to be satisfied because you're never going to pay back the debt. You're never, ever going to be able to pay back that debt because the debt of repeat success Success that we have over and over again will never, ever, ever replace our need for safety, our need for satisfaction, our need for connection. I'm going to go back to this letter because I'm going to end up remixing the letter and then have nothing to say at the end. So let me just read through the letter, then come back to the points, actually. So. Self-abandonment, so we can caretake, can easily be mistaken for kindness and makes us perceive ourselves to be good people, even if our somatic experience tells us otherwise. Resentment, frustration and feeling undervalued anyone? How about rage? That was pointed out by one of my lovely people on Instagram, uh, Steph, don't buy her flowers. Overly focusing on what makes us appear to be a good person on top of sometimes mostly unconscious resentment, frustration and feeling undervalued can distort reality. So we mistake manipulation for caretaking and we believe that we need to caretake to prove ourselves as worthy of love. Although the intention is loving, it is not love. It's control. It's an unconscious pattern of trying to control love because we fear being abandoned by it. This fear makes us focus on avoiding pain rather than being open to love and being loved. This is common in people who grew up with caregivers that were unable to give them love as they were. As children, they had to adapt and become convenient because their caregivers behavior demonstrated that this is how they earned love. Invariably, this is because the caregiver's childhood was a similar experience. It's part of how we're socialized and it works really well until it doesn't. This adaptation creates a core belief that love needs to be earned by playing small and suppressing parts that may be perceived as too much. And you know what, sometimes they are too much, but that would be for another conversation. In other words, you walk around with a core belief that you cannot be loved as you are. So you learn to not communicate what you need whilst using the skill of hypervigilance to look for cues as to which parts you need to suppress to make yourself tolerable. And this feels like having to keep half of who you are tightly locked away in a pressure cooker. Now the problem is, as we get older, that pressure cooker gets overwhelmed and starts to whistle really loud. The loudness can feel terrifying and we call it anxiety. And we set about finding strategies to manage it. Busying ourselves with the unimportant, pretending it is important, and planning every bit of free time so that we're distracted from the loud whistle we've learned to fear. 
we become masters of avoidance. And the thing we're avoiding with all of this activity is our loneliness. Where attention goes, energy flows. So cliche, but most cliches are annoyingly accurate. Working to avoid pain and loneliness channels energy towards pain and loneliness. Working to experience love and connection channels more energy towards love and connection. This isn't some toxic positivity, spiritual bypassing shizzle. It's real. Our bodies are conduits for our energy. Our energy is radiated out into the world and reflected back to us as our reality. This is behavioural neuroscience. This reality is so painful that we cannot hold it as our own. Loneliness and pain caused by learnt self-abandonment can feel like being engulfed by a dark hole. Therefore, we cope by projecting it onto others and making them responsible for the way we felt for most of our lives. Scared of the vulnerability necessary for the connection we crave. When we're scared of the vulnerability necessary for heartfelt connection, we create transactions based on parts of ourselves we have learned to curate. These are usually the parts we believe to be acceptable to others. Meanwhile, the vulnerable parts of ourselves, the bigger parts, the subconscious parts that are also known as our inner child, are left out of the picture, feeling unseen, unheard, not held, unimportant, abandoned, lonely, betrayed by the one adult we need, ourselves. Our inner child is forced to observe our adult selves tangled in a web of endless performance in exchange for tolerance. This overprotective behaviour denies people the opportunity to see if they have the capacity to embrace the fullness of who you are and who you are not. So we only show half of ourselves in relationships. Well, actually, what's written here is we only show half our asses in relationship. Denying our needs and shutting up our sad, lonely inner child by people pleasing, over planning our time with what used to be fun and bullshit activity that makes us look like a good person instead of embracing our real ass selves as real ass people. All of this unconsciously disconnects us from honest connection with ourselves and those that can meet us where we are. It doesn't have to be this way. This is conditioning. At your core, you have the skills necessary for meaningful connection, starting with yourself. Anxiety, frustration, resentment and rage does not have to be a lifestyle to- choice. Gently detoxing from this conditioning so that you can begin to consider who you are, what you need and what you want to create in partnership with your life is what I do in my coaching practice, is what I do in my sovereign group coaching experience, which is currently open for enrolment. Of course, I have to mention it. It's my podcast and Sovereign's fantastic. In fact, it's incredible. There'll be links in the show notes for you to check it out. But yeah, it's really, really important for us to begin to have honest conversations with ourselves about the way we use care to barter for moments of connection 
that don't make us too vulnerable, that don't feel too intimate because we haven't been able to practice the art of vulnerability, of intimacy, of the qualities that enable us not just to give love, but also receive love. Give compassion and also receive compassion. The level of of compassion that has healing qualities that can really help you begin to repair your relationship with yourself and extend that to your relationship with others. So now I invite you to join me in doing some work to have a look at inviting more compassion, creating space to even admit to yourself um, what you desire, the kind of love you want, the kind of feelings you want to support and the type of feelings you want other people to support. We're going to go gently and um, taking our time. I invite you to bring to mind a time where you felt unloved as a child or um, in some way rejected. And before you even go there, I want you to think about something relatively small. We're not going in at the deep end looking at really significant traumas. I want you to think about something, bring something to mind, connect with something that feels light, light enough for you to explore without being in a position where you feel like you've sunken into a deep hole. So I'm going to use an example. The example I'm going to use is, um, I can't remember how old I was, maybe I was about 12. And I went on a coach trip to somewhere like Alton Towers with my aunt, my brother and my cousin. And um, my brother, maybe he was about five at the time. My cousin, maybe he was about seven, eight at the time. And um, I saw some people I believed to be friends. There were people I used to play with at the local play centre. Um, so I said to my aunt, I'm going to go over to these people um, and I'm going to go with them and I'll meet you somewhere later on. And she said, yeah, fine. I went over to these girls, really excited. Uh, there were three of them or four of them. Anyway, I went over to them really excited and assumed that I would be welcomed to go around the theme park with them. They didn't say directly I wasn't welcome, but they were talking about the plans they had for them as a group to explore the theme park. And I don't get hints very well. It takes me a while to to grasp hints. So they said something that sounded odd to begin with. They were talking about which rides they were going to go on, who was sitting next to who. And my name wasn't mentioned and I didn't get it. And then they said something else and my name wasn't mentioned again. And on the third time, they talked about something and my name wasn't mentioned and I the penny dropped. Um, so immediately I felt rejected. Immediately I felt unloved. Immediately I felt ashamed. Um, and I said to them, have a good time. And I went back over to my aunt and I looked sad. I was sad. Even as I'm talking about this now, I'm remembering the feeling of sadness. Um, and I went to my aunt and she said, oh, why aren't you going with your friends? And I said, oh no, I've changed my mind. I can now still feel the flavor of the shame I felt. And I couldn't say to my aunt, they didn't want me to go with them. I didn't want my aunt to know I was rejected. 
and I am very good at internalizing things. So I internalized that experience and made it about me. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling heat in my solar plexus. I've got the plunging feeling so I can feel a plunging going down from my throat, through my chest, down through my stomach, into my gut. I can really feel that plunging feeling. And what I'm remembering is that that happened uh, in the 90s or in the 80s. That's not my experience now. What I'm also remembering is how I internalized the message that they, these girls were cool. Like where I lived, these girls were really cool. So what I'm thinking about is how I internalized the message that I'm not cool, how I in internalized the message that I wasn't good enough to be with them and how I internalized the message of rejection. So I want you to think about something like that, something that does evoke feeling, but not something that's going to have you plummeting into despair. Now, or maybe pause, when you have something, I want you to bring yourself into today, right now, remembering that you are an adult, you have agency, you have choice. So my reaction to that memory is to have that sinking feeling and remembering the shame I felt by being re rejected, the shame I felt from the message that said I wasn't good enough to go around Alton Towers or wherever it was with them. But I'm bringing that into my present day. So rather than me going back into that experience, I'm bringing that experience into my present day. I'm putting my hand, my left hand on my heart for connection. <sighs> my right hand on my belly for connection to intuition knowledge, wisdom. And I'm thinking about how I would support me now. So what I'm thinking first and foremost is actually it's their choice. They can choose to be with who they want to be with. They made their plans and their plans are fine. Them rejecting me doesn't mean that I am rejected full stop. It means that I didn't belong in that group of people. And actually, it was probably healthier for me to be rejected by them than me making myself small so that I could be tolerated by them um, and tolerated by them during an experience that I should have been having great fun. I'm getting a message saying that um, it's not up to them to decide whether or not I'm accepted or whether or not I belong. It's up to me to determine that. And I'm feeling warmth in my heart, not just because my hand is on my um, chest, but I'm feeling warmth in my heart that actually... I have the capacity to choose me now. And choosing me now looks like choosing friendships where I don't make myself small and hang around for scraps. Knowing that I need to belong means that I'm actually growing into accepting what belonging means. And that means I'm able to express that to myself 
and provide myself with that. And that is helping me become more competent, more competent, more practiced. So I'm able to ask for that support. And asking for that support is fucking hard and vulnerable. So it means I've invested in things like coaching. Well, not coaching. I have invested in coaching, but that's not what I meant. It means I've invested in things like therapy that help me reconcile what I need, why I think I need it. So I feel more able to ask other people without transferring the responsibility onto other people. So rather than being in a situation where I'm then hinting, like those girls were hinting, I'm actually getting better at stating my needs and asking for what I need. I understand why I felt ashamed. But now I'm reassuring myself that actually... I don't need to feel ashamed anymore because those experiences, as much as they really, really hurt at the time, have helped me as an adult, not like in my 20s and 30s, but now as like feeling like a real adult in my 40s. It's helped me actually choose friendships where I'm able to be vulnerable in a way I haven't been able to be vulnerable before. I'm remembering that I had a really good time at um, Alton Towers and I'm smiling because I'm remembering that my brother got lost. My brother was always getting lost. So I'm remembering a uh, time we spent looking for my brother and the relief we experienced when we found him. I'm remembering how much fun I had with my aunt. And um, during my adolescence, when I felt like you know, my mum didn't understand me. And even when my mum would say good morning, I felt like chewing her head off. I remember that that particular aunt was the person I used to go to and have conversations with, conversations I felt unable to have with my mum. I was able to have with that um, particular aunt, big up Auntie Francis. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing myself. I'm, I can't see myself clearly, but I can see Alton Towers and I can I can feel the rucksack I had on my back because my lunch and all of that kind of stuff was in there. And um, I just want that 12 or however old I was version of myself with that rucksack to know that I've learned so much stuff. I've experienced so much stuff. I'm I'm embodying so many ways where you're looked after, where you're included. And although there are still parts of myself I reject because I find them too difficult to hold on to, there are so many parts I'm now embracing, which means you're being embraced. So I just want to tell you, 12-year-old Tamu, that unfortunately... Rejection happens, but stick with me because I learn how to embrace you and I'm learning more and more ways to embrace you fully. And one of the most important things I've learned is that most of the things I'm ashamed of, it's not really shame. It's because I was never taught. I didn't have the skills to be able to look after the needs as they arose. So they festered and hung around.
and still here. So a way I am going to belong to myself today. Ah, a way I'm going to belong to myself today. It's a, um, it's cold <clears throat> and I have a cold, but the sky is blue. The sun is shining. I'm going to take myself to the park and I'm actually going to play on the stuff in the park, on the swings and stuff like that. I'm, I'm actually going to belong to myself. I'm actually going to have a mini theme park experience with myself, belonging to myself. Yeah, I don't know if that's helpful. I hope it is helpful for you. You know, we don't have all the answers, but we have some of the answers. And if we can be present with ourselves in the here and now and lightly bring some of those experiences into the here and now and offer ourselves an olive branch, offer ourselves some time, some care. Like right now, I feel like I've looked at a part of myself I kept overlooking and I am now having sensations and experiences of things that were similar to that type of rejection that were bigger that had much more of an emotional sting but I'm not going to go there because I know that taking myself to the park belonging to myself going and having a play will provide some care and healing and restoration to a part of me I've overlooked for a long time and sometimes that's enough and sometimes that act leads us to being able to uh, transfer that elsewhere becomes like a template for being able to look at parts of ourselves we've squashed down and to look at parts of ourselves that perhaps were molehills that have become mountains. Um, I'm going to read this quote. Actually, before I read the quote by Peter Levine, I'm going to just check something and be right back. What I was checking was ways in which I have rejected myself, ways in which I have hinted around that I can't do, be or have something because I'm not whatever enough, I'm not cool enough, I'm not practiced enough, I'm not qualified enough, I'm just not enough. So not enoughness has, is, is a big thing of mine and I'm thinking about ways in which I've discounted myself because of feelings of not enoughness that they really, in my, you know, front of my mind, I know that's not true, inside my body those feelings are real. So I'm thinking about even ways I've prevented myself from enjoying myself because I have decided I'm not whatever enough. And I'm thinking about how the presence of my aunt, even though I felt ashamed to share with her the experience I'd had, I'm thinking about the presence of my aunt and the way we played enabled me to forget the experience of feeling not enough and feeling rejected and being able to enjoy myself. So I am going to uh, utilize that. Taking myself to the park 
instead of getting embedded in the story about the ways I've um, rejected myself and the ways I have um, not allowed myself to experience or have or do things because I've decided I'm not enough, I'm going to make sure I take myself to the park, whether I feel like I've done enough work today or not. That's going to be really, really important for me. And one of the things I want to flag up is the way a lot of times we prevent ourselves from having enjoyable, playful, rich experiences that make us feel safe, good and connected because we believe we haven't done insert whatever enough, which is quite often we haven't worked hard enough to it to, to deserve enjoying ourselves and who we are. Um, yeah, so that that provides a healing moment. And um, I'm going to end with a quote from Peter Levine that I often refer to um, with my coaching clients. And uh, if you don't know, Peter Levine, the way I describe him, he's like um, the Jay-Z of the somatic world. Um, he developed somatic experiencing um, and he's written loads and loads of books about alternative ways of healing trauma. Um, so yeah, I'll put a link to um, something to do with Peter Levine so you can check him out for yourself. And Peter Levine says, the past doesn't matter when we learn how to be present. Every moment becomes new and creative. We have only to heal our present symptoms and proceed. A healing moment ripples forward and back, out and about. So, I'm going to enjoy my healing moment in the park and trust that it will ripple forward and back, out and about to the 12 year old me, the 20 year old me, the 36 year old me, and also the 44 year old me who is present here with you guys today. I hope that's been helpful. Um, I look forward to receiving comments, feedback. If you like what you've heard, please share it with somebody you think would uh, appreciate it. Um, uh, please share on your social media feeds. Um, tag me at Live360 if you're using Instagram. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Take good care. Thank you for listening to Conversations from the Heart podcast. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. If you've resonated with what you've heard, I'd be so grateful if you could rate, review and share my podcast with someone you think may benefit. If you're a social media user and have connected with what you've heard, I kindly ask you to share this episode and tag me at Live360. Like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms have a huge impact. Your feedback and shares will assist me in reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more people sharing this experience and maybe feeling seen, heard and held by the conversations that flow from the heart. The personal development space is full of mindset tools, hacks and tips and I think it's high time we have a place where we can just be as we are and perhaps learn something we can apply to how we live, love and work without there being an agenda other than allowing ourselves to be whole. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me that more people could benefit from tuning in. 
I welcome keeping the conversation going, so please do share your comments, observations, insights on the podcast show notes, social media posts, or anywhere else you see fit. Thank you for tuning in. The podcast was produced by me, Tamu Thomas. Music produced by Sam Kay.